broadcasting from Boss Hog Studios in Hazard County. It's Scott Romine with Guatney Unplugged. That's right, Hazard County. Hey, our guest today is on our sister radio station, Jeff Allen. He hosts... Well, all during the day on The Point, 94.1. Thank you so much for coming over and being on The Buzz. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, gosh, yes. I, I've listened to you for forever. <laughs> and you, I wanted to talk about you grew up in Russellville, correct? I did. So you grew up going to Whataburgers, I guess the originals. The original Feltner's Whataburger. You and knew the, the people that started that? I, I knew Bob Feltner, the, the founder of that restaurant okay. growing up. And uh, I mean, they opened, I think, 67 or 68 so all through my childhood, that was kind of a staple. And it's not really related to the one we know of like what they just built in Little Rock, Not at right? all. No, that's a chain out of Texas. Totally different animal. Different spelling? <laughs> different spelling and everything. I'm sure the food of the Russellville one is just incredible. It's amazing. Yeah, it's old time. Uh, what's your other members of, of grow, growing up in Russellville? I, I've got to ask you, did you ever run across Jimmy Lyle? I did. Uh, Jimmy Lyle was one of these local people that... Pretty much everybody there knew, and I've actually got a good friend after Jimmy Lyle passed away. Uh, someone kept the patterns for the blades. Oh, and, yeah. And I've got a good friend that makes handles for those blades now. So it's not an actual Jimmy Lyle knife, but it is the the actual blade. How do I get a hold of one of those? <laughs> I'll put you in touch with him. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> so I'm 49. Are we somewhere around the same age? Pretty close. Pretty close. So if if we're close to the same age, I got to ask, if you grew up right there in Russellville, what's your memory of that whole Ronald Gene Simmons thing? I'll tell you a funny story about that. Well, there's not much funny about it, but <laughs> no, yeah. No, this I, is yeah. a funny story. Okay, let's hear it. Um, I was working one of my first jobs back when that happened, and he worked at a gas station on Highway 64. He was a convenience store. He was a clerk. Right, right. That's really? One of the places he went on his shooting spree. And I used to stop into that store every afternoon on the way home from work, and he was always working. And you know, you stop at a store every day, and you you, have you know the people, a little chit chat with the guy behind the counter, whatever. And he always seemed like a pleasant person. So when all that went down, I was listening on the radio, and I turned to a coworker. They said he'd gone to that store, and I looked and I said, "Man, I hope he didn't shoot that nice old guy that works in the afternoons." Oh, you're <laughs> <laughs> like I said, funny story. <laughs> It was the guy. It was the guy. That's crazy. <laughs> so I'm not going to say I knew him, but I kind of did. I know him as well as you'd know somebody else you see in the gas station every day. Well, you know there's a lot of crazy stories. Like, I love Max Pines, yeah. the, the four-wheeler riding place, Moxon Gap and all that. And that lady that works in there, like, knew where the house was. I did, too, because my coworker lived on the same side road that he did. He lived at the end of that road. Okay. And I'd been over to his house a few times. So I'd actually been past the Simmons house a few times going to, to my coworker's house. And oh. we never knew. And then when it happened, you know, Troy said, well, you know, he lived at the end of my road. And I said, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I've been by that house before and I didn't even know it. She told me, she said, look, Scott, there's something up with that property. She said, it's evil. She said the guy that moved in later killed himself in that house. I didn't know that. It's, it's there's something evil. I think the house now the community somebody in the community burned the thing down. Hopefully, yeah, it's done. <laughs> wow, what I don't would, mean I'm, I don't mean to laugh about a dark subject, but that's just crazy. It is crazy. And wasn't that like the Christmas of '87? It was Christmas. I think it was '87. 
was mostly like in Dover, but the guy drives into Russellville, right? Yeah, he worked at the store he worked at was in Russellville, and he lived in Dover, just north of Dover. Actually, he was outside the city limits. Okay, so grief. If you if you go out of Dover north on seven, and you turn and and go on up the hill, it's it was Broomfield Road, and it's one of the it's like two miles out of the city limits, off on the right. It's just creepy. It is. Yeah, yeah, it's strange. So, what was it as a kid? That inspires this interest in, in the radio. It didn't happen as a kid. Really? No. When I got out of high school, I got into mechanical engineering mm. right out of high school, working at the nuclear plant. So you're like a Roger May type of character <laughs> or something, you know? Sort of. You um, worked at the nuclear plant I like did. Homer Simpson? Yeah, I worked. <laughs> not exactly like Homer Simpson, but yeah, yeah pretty much. Sure. And uh, I... That turned into a semi-career. I actually, the company I was working for took me to Lynchburg, Virginia, put me through their training courses, and and I got trained to work on these components. And I did that for two or three years, four or five years almost. And those kind of jobs, you work like this plant here will have a shutdown for refueling, and that's when all the maintenance goes on. Mm -hmm. And so these people like me would travel around to different plants and work these shutdowns. Really good money, but you work. 50 days and then you're off for a month and then the next job comes up and you go work for a month and a half, two months, and then you're off for a month. So you've got these gaps in between jobs and that's where it started. I was off for a month and I had a friend that was doing mobile DJ work and I was looking for something to, to do. I was bored. So I started tagging along to these wedding receptions and class reunions he was doing with the sound system. And I ended up, uh, somebody got sick and I had to do, my first DJ party because <laughs> yeah, I knew how to, to set done. up the gear. And and it, it ended up being like a, a wedding reception and somebody in the reception came over and told me they worked at a club and they needed a DJ and I was pretty good. And well, okay. So I kind of started filling in in this nightclub and a mutual friend of ours, Sharp Dunaway, he, yeah, he had a yeah. band that played there and he said, Hey, we might have a part-time spot at Magic 105. And it's one thing led to another. So, and Magic, <laughs> didn't you do some late night stuff? I did. I worked the, uh, my first full time was the overnight, midnight to six. Did you start when they were on Main Street? I actually started before Main Street. Okay. Now, I remember them being in the build, the twin buildings out at the end of Highway 10. Is that where you started? Anderson Drive. Yes. Yeah, the the stubby building with the circle on the front. I was like 15 years old, and Tommy let me write material, and I would meet (laughs) Tommy Smith out there on Sunday afternoons, and we would record all these bits. That's where I started with Tommy. Wow. Wasn't that the greatest? It was the greatest period in radio, for sure. It's just something that can't be replicated. The things we could do back then and get away with. (laughs) You couldn't do it now. (laughs) No. I helped move a lot of the furniture to the Main Street location in North Little Rock. Yeah, they they pulled some stuff there, you yeah. know. It's, I remember putting, yeah. putting the very large man on the block of ice out on the sidewalk to see how, you know, take bets on how long it would take the ice to melt. The the glass window prompted <laughs> a lot of stuff Tommy Smith, you know, got away with back then. I think I got away with more than he did. Did you really? That's when I was doing the overnights. I, I was a cop <laughs> in North Little Rock back then. I remember the kind of stuff you guys were doing. I would actually go on with, like, if Tommy was off and Big Dave was doing it himself, he'd say, well, Scott, come on, and yeah. and we do it. Now that I think about it, I can't believe the police department let me do that. 
I can't either. <laughs> Maybe they didn't know. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't believe I got away with everything I got away with back then. Isn't it crazy, though, that like the technology? Because you probably started with a cart machine. Cart machines and reel-to-reels. And that gravitated to, I guess, having two or three CD players CD players, and, and, and then it uh, we tried a short run with uh, the digital tapes, the little DATs. Well, that didn't last long at all. That was a phase. I don't remember those, really. Uh, that was more for the, the production side of things. Ah, I got and, you. And then we got into the digital world, which is where we're at now. Which is a totally different thing. It is. We still got a CD player in the studio. You ever use it? It's in case of emergency, break glass kind of thing. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> We've got a rack of CDs on the wall that's just basically the core of our artist library. And if all else fails, we can pop a CD in and stay on the air. If you had if to. If we had to. You've probably had some crazy things happen with, with dead air and technical things over, that I have. you've worked to overcome. <laughs> one good one. Uh, when we were still using CDs, if you remember, every Saturday night we played in Agata De Vida at, oh, of course. at 10 o'clock. Sure. Well, I was working the, the evening Saturday night. I was coming in at 7 and working till midnight. So I was the one that played in Agata De Vida every Saturday at 10 p.m. And one night I put the CD in, started it at 10 o'clock, and I said, well, I got 20 minutes. Wendy's is just down the street. <laughs> oh, no. I can jump in the car and be through the drive-thru and back because I'm hungry, you know, before the song's over. Sure. So I'm sitting in the drive-thru. I got two cars in front of me, two cars behind me. There's no way I can get out of this line, and the CD started skipping. <laughs> oh! And I'm sitting in the drive-thru beating on the steering wheel going, come on, come on. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Hold that thought. We're talking with Jeff Allen. He's from our sister station in The Point. We'll be right back on Guatney Unplugged. I've always wondered, is is the kind of music you play at The Point the kind of thing you would gravitate in your to in your personal life? Is that the music that you're into? I get asked that a lot, and I'm I'm kind of a... I'm a unicorn when it comes to, I, I think I am at least. I've never really asked other radio people this. I do like a lot of the classic rock we play. I mean, I've seen a lot of the bands we play in concert multiple times, but I like a lot of other things too. So if you look at the presets on my radio, for instance, I've got a, a 90s alternative channel programmed. I've got a classic like 70s and 80s country channel programmed. Mm -hmm. I've, I've got a rock station programmed like, like we are in... I listen to everything. Sure. Well, I got a question for you. Okay. There's something I've thought about forever, right? So, of course, you. I love the Stones, and of course, you'll play like Sympathy for the Devil and all right. of these great stuff. I've never understood for the life of me, and I love the point. I listen to it all the time. Why, if if the Stones from 69 and that era, era count, you know, you're going to play them. Right. Why the heck is Suspicious Minds not good enough to play? Which came out in 1969. It's one of the greatest rock songs of all time. Burn in Love. It's not about the year it came out. It's at a, all. I mean, it's Elvis. He's the king of rock. I know he is. But there, there's a line in the sand there. It's an invisible line between the Stones and Elvis where Elvis is kind of considered like the cool 95 artist. The oldies yeah, I, I artist, get it, but you know, and the Stones are the rock artist. But he's got that new movie out, and I, I just, I just don't think if you played Suspicious Minds, anybody would change the station. Maybe not. We'd get some curious texts about it. Really? You know, yeah. Why are you playing Elvis? 
<laughs> Even though Elvis was performing and rocking out and number one hits, I know at the same time. I know. Believe it or not, we our playlist has sort of come forward a little bit. Yeah, um, it, I've noticed that. I've it noticed has. that. And believe it or not, our demographic has gotten a little bit younger. Has it really? <laughs> you wouldn't think that, but uh, we've got more younger people listening now, and I think that's largely in part to like "Don't Stop Believing" was. Huge in the finale of The Sopranos. Mm -hmm. And like you said, the Elvis movie, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody on the big screen. Love it. All these movies and and things coming out about these classic artists, it's got a whole new interest generated from a younger crowd. And see, I thought you would say because new music sucks. No, there's some good stuff out there. There is? There's some good stuff out there. (laughs) Well, I haven't heard that one. But what I've seen, and and there's people out there listening right now that will will back up what I'm about to say. In in Central Arkansas alone, and I'm sure it's happening in a lot of other places, I can name you four or five young bands, people under 21, that are playing real instruments and playing rock and roll in front of crowds. They're out performing in public. Right. And the stuff they're playing is right off our playlist. Yeah, what's that band that sounds like Led Zeppelin? Greta Van Fleet. They're pretty good. They're pretty good, but they're they're a national act. I'm talking local. Oh, local folks. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah. I, I got to see the uh, Spa City Youngbloods in Hot Springs about a month ago. They were, uh, they were playing in a finale of a Battle of the Bands thing. And these are all people 18 to 20 years old, and they're playing rock and roll. And then I get to see there's a band out of uh, Benton at Saline County called uh, Almost Guilty. Same story. Bunch of kids. They're playing rock and roll. There's a band called Monty that's doing a benefit for us this weekend. And they opened their set with Even Flow from Pearl Jam. That's cool. And then played a Guns N' Roses song. They're playing stuff that we play. Isn't that wild? And they're wild? not old enough to go into a bar and drink. Yeah, well, you're the guy that does live and local. I do. And what spawned that? I've always had a thing for local music. And back in the day, you remember Tom Wood used to do the oh, Magic gosh, 5 yeah. concert calendar. Brown bagger guy. Yeah, yeah. The, the concert calendar. Yeah, concert calendar. And he would do Little Rock in Memphis. And, well, you know, there's nothing for the local venues there's all these good bands playing around town. Yep. Every weekend. If people just knew about it, hmm, well, there's an idea. Do that. <laughs> and a local bar bought the sponsorship for it. So were you aware of Evanescence before when they were just going around playing in little... I was. Really? Yeah. What's your memory of that? <sighs> I mean, they were just... They were the band out of Benton that would play the backyard parties, and they played Vino's a couple times. Uh, we actually, when I was working at a bar called Nightlife Rocks, Asher University, mm-hmm. we actually got them to play our New Year's Eve party, and we signed them to do that right before Bring Me to Life blew up. So we that was, uh, I, to my knowledge, that's the first time they ever played it in public was in our bar on New Year's Eve. And there's a video on YouTube. Really? Yeah, there's a video on YouTube of them doing that song that night without the rap and everything else. And uh, it was we had two thousand people there that night. They were people figured out who they were pretty quickly. There's a they're, they're a big deal. Yeah, we've had Rocky Gray on the show, the drummer. Yeah, and, Rocky's and, still around. I saw no, him. He's still around. I saw him Monday night at the arena. That Isn't concert. That great. Yeah, and I talked to John Lecompte all the time, and and those guys are still around. They're just cool guys. They are. You know, you have a great radio voice. Do you hear that all the time? <laughs> Once in a while. Isn't it funny how people say that? It's like. I mean, the odds that you got this great voice, but then you get this interest in radio, 
And people just put all that together. People tell me I have a face for radio. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> but you know, it's just your natural voice. You it know? is. It is. If you see me on the street and I talk to you, I'm going to talk just like this. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Isn't it uh, strange how radio has kind of changed to where, I guess, in a way, what you do is become rarer and rarer. You're not automated. You're not at you know, at home on a thing, you come to the station, you're not taping yourself. It is because so many companies figured out that they could do it cheaper. Right. Yeah. <laughs> these big, these big conglomerates bought up radio clusters and said, well, we can put one person on at six stations and we can save all this money and, you know, streamline it and do yeah. it. No, we're live and local. I mean, you're there. We're there. You can call, and they're going to get you on the number. Yeah, and I have to wait for Rick to get out of the way at 10 o'clock in the morning when I'm going on because he's in the studio. <laughs> but that's the way it's been. That's the way it should be. Absolutely. Absolutely. I guess corporate has just ruined a lot of radio stuff. Like a lot of other things in life. Was that the death of Magic 105? Uh, in a way, in a roundabout way. The first thing they did was get rid of a bunch of people. I was part of that one big okay. phase of, of releases. And then they decided, and I don't remember when, I just remember, like, I remember it happening. Tom Wood had programmed that station since it went on the air in 1980. He was the reason it went on the air. Yeah. And at some point, they decided they knew better how to program it than Tom did, and they took that out of Tom's hands. And when they did, that's when it started sliding downhill. Why and would you do that? They thought they knew better. That's like telling Slash, oh, we're going to let somebody else play the guitar tonight. Pretty much. You just don't do that. <laughs> they did. <laughs> stupid. Just it, stupid. It is what it is. So where'd you come up with the concept of, of the double shot thing? Because I love that. Well, you'll play like two ACDCs and two Queens. and That's just one of those little programming things. Uh, you know, I'm on the air for five hours a day. So middle of the day, you've got a captive audience in a lot of cases at work. You know, people listening in the office, they've got us on, you know, different places in stores and stuff like that. And just making a themed lunch hour and doing double shots is just another way. Well, this is kind of different. I think it's great. It's great. But it's it's one of those little programming tricks that you just, well, we could do this or we could do this. Well, this works really good. Can people follow you on social media? Is they there can. like a, what are those links or places? <laughs> I'm I've got a Facebook page. Um I'm on there, but I'm on Twitter a lot, believe it really? or not. Yeah. Uh I got on Twitter like twelve years ago. And I know there's been a lot of people, you know, against Twitter because all the negativity that they perceive or uh, things like that. Um I get a lot more out of Twitter. It doesn't seem like I do as much anymore, but the thing I've always liked about Twitter is if if there's a topic in your newsfeed you don't like, you can mute that. Sure. Or you can unfollow people, and you can filter out what's in your newsfeed, and and it's it's great. I only follow the people I want to follow. I follow a lot of bands. Man, that's awesome. Hey, we're talking with Jeff Allen. We will be right back here on Guatney Unplugged. You know, you go to a lot of concerts, and I always see you with bands and stuff. Has this afforded you some incredible opportunity to meet these celebrities? It has. And, and tell me, who are some stories? Who's the coolest ones? Who's the <laughs> ones that were disappointing? Some of the ones, uh, thankfully, there haven't been many disappointing ones. Uh, most of them, most have been positive. But uh, some of the cooler people I've met, 
Bob Seeger was really cool. Mm. Met him uh, not on the farewell tour or the last tour he came through, but this was back in 96, I think, in Memphis. Oh, yeah. He was really cool. Um, guys like that, that that could afford to be jerks or arrogant that aren't, that's a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Uh, some of the other people I've gotten to be friends with, like uh, you might have heard of Ian Moore. I've heard of the name. He opened for Leonard Skinner in 91 on the river, and I did my first interview with him. And we have remained friends over, really? over these years, and he's coming to uh, Northwest Arkansas later this later this fall. He's still out playing. He's playing smaller venues. But guys like that I've become friends with, lifelong friends. Man, that is so and, great. You know, I met the uh, singer for Journey 15 years ago when he first joined the band, and we've remained close friends. And I know he has a lot of detractors out there. That if it's not Steve, it's not Journey. But Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. Arnell is one of the sweetest people in the world. Invited me to his birthday party in the Philippines. Did he really? Yeah. <laughs> you should have went. I was in the Philippines at the time, and we just missed each other. And he actually apologized for me not getting to come to his birthday party. I said, it was your birthday. Don't apologize That's to wild. me. <laughs> What's the Philippines like? Humid. Yeah. Well, we got that here. <laughs> really good food, really nice people, uh, really cheap. Do you scuba dive? I do. I do stuff over there you can't do anywhere else in the world. Really? Yeah. Get Charter an airplane with a private pilot and fly over a volcano crater lake that erupted in 1991. You know, take an aerial tour of this volcano crater lake. Uh, you know, get in a little fishing boat out in the South China Sea and, and do a little island tour out there. You know, That's so go cool. Zip lining across a beach, and the bottom of the zip line, there's a bar when you land. Really? <laughs> yeah, things like that. Helen Cabot, we can't even get internet. I know. <laughs> you got all this in the Philippines. Fun stuff. Unbelievable. Rent motorcycles and go riding on the old airbase over there. And, you know. Well, you know, I'm a motorcycle nut and was a motorcycle cop, and I've ridden all over the country. I, I want to say you got into motorcycles later in life. That's not exactly true. It may seem that way. Okay. Uh, I had a motorcycle when I was 14. Okay. Like a Rebel 250 or something? Yeah, I had. A, I think my first bike was a Honda 500. Oh, yeah. So you got out of it for a long time. <laughs> I just didn't have time for it. it. It wasn't that I got out of it. I just didn't have time for it. So what got you back interested in, and you bought you a bike, too. What'd you get, and how'd all this got to kind of get started back? I, I started going to the Sturgis Rally to do a show every year. and Was that your idea, to, to the point or something? I, well, it was, it was something I wanted to do, but it wasn't my idea. Okay. <laughs> if you ever watched the show Full Throttle Saloon that was on TV, yes, Senior, the head of security, okay. was on the TV show. He came into town promoting the Full Throttle Bourbon and, and Moonshine. Mm -hmm. And we were doing a bike night out at Rodney Cycle House, mm -hmm. and Senior came up on the show to talk about this liquor he was going to have to sample out there at bike night. So he was on my show, and we got to be buddies, and that night at the bike night, he made the comment, we need to get you up to Full Throttle Saloon to do a radio show. That sounds like fun. That know? took off. So then two weeks later, I'm at Rocklahoma, Jackal's Play, and I run into Jesse, who's somebody else I've known for years. And I said, hey, I was with Senior a couple weeks ago. And he said, I need to get up to Sturgis and do a radio show. And Jesse looked at me and smiled. He said, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> he said, really? when I get back, I'm going to talk to Ballard. We'll make this happen. And the next thing you know, 
I'm going to Sturgis. Because people love that. You broadcast from there. I guess you're live. I'm live. Because, you know, everybody <laughs> wants to go see that, you know. This will be my sixth year. Oh, that's in cool. In a row. And how crowded is it? My dad actually took my bike and went to Sturgis. So my Harley's been there, but I haven't. <laughs> that's sad, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know. It's better than nothing. I'll make it one day. But I've heard there's great riding out there. You can, what uh, there is, and at, for the record, I've got a, a Harley Dyna Fat Bob. Okay, that's what I ride. Cool. But uh, the thing about Sturgis that that I can clear up quickly, the, a large misconception: there's a difference between Sturgis and the Sturgis Rally. Okay, the, the town is one thing. The town is one the thing. Rally the rally is, is a different thing. animal because the town of Sturgis is about sixty-seven hundred people, about the size of BB. They've got a little main street. You know, it's it's not a big town. The rally will take up about a 40-mile circumference around the town of Sturgis. Oh, my gosh. So the rally is Rapid City, Deadwood, Custer, you know, Spearfish. Everywhere around wow. Sturgis, the rally is taking place. There are people that will stay in Custer that are there for the rally. And that's 40 miles from town. How do you even get a hotel room with something like this? That's why there's so many campgrounds around. <laughs> is that the, Do yeah. you camp? I camp. Full Throttle Saloon has a campground, Pappy Hoyle. Do you take your bike? I do take my bike, and I take an RV to stay in. And you're going to continue? You're going back? As long year. as I can keep going. I've got a place up there now. Man, uh, it's a great deal, I think, for the point. There are some radio partners. Of course, I've gotten to know all the radio guys that go up there. There's some guys out of Chicago that have been going for over 20 years, and... I can see myself, you know, 15 years down the road still doing this. Have you met all the Orange County Chopper guys up there? Do they come? I haven't met any of them. Really? Nope. You would think they would be part of that deal. I, they've probably been there, but I've never met them. There's pretty big bands that, that, that really go and big perform, bands. correct? Really big bands. And that's another misconception. Uh, Buffalo Chip is on the east end of town. It's actually outside the city limits. And they've got their lineup. They've got ZZ Top and oh, Leonard, yeah. Leonard Skinner and Limp Biscuit and all these other, what I call the arena acts. And then Full Throttle Saloon is seven and a half miles north of that. On the north side of town, they've got their lineup for the week. And it's oh. Warrant and Slaughter and Colt Ford and uh, Josie Scott doing Saliva and Jackal. and. Do they at least do time it to where you could make it all? It's impossible. Really? Because the Iron Horse downtown has a full week of concerts, kickstands, campgrounds outside of town. There's 30 or 40 stages up there, and bands playing day and night. <laughs> and as far as attendance, you know, between five and 700,000 people every year for the rally. That's huge. So over half a million people. That, so, so that would even make like the one here in Arkansas look fairly small, which is really fairly, small. which is fairly big. <laughs> or at least I know it used to be really big. Yeah, but the riding up there is fantastic. Did you get to meet Billy Gibbons? I've met Billy Gibbons once or twice. Yeah. Oh, that's he's a legend. He is, and really nice guy too. Really? Yeah. What What are some other ones you've met? I mean, you've run across Alice Cooper yet? I know he's. I've a, met Alice a few out. times. Alice and I have good conversation every time I see. Every time we run into each other, we have something to talk about. It's funny because, like, he seems to be so different from his on stage persona. <laughs> the character he played in Wayne's World, he's just like that. Right. He he has the he has this mind that you wouldn't believe that recall he has for memory and things like that. What about Kiss? Met the guys in Kiss. Um, they're so businesslike. That's what I hear. It's, hear. it's hard to get a read on them. 
Uh, Tommy Thayer's probably the most approachable one in the group now. Aerosmith, <laughs> you meet any of those guys? Met those guys. Had a good uh, good talk with Joe Perry last time they played the arena. Oh, that's we, I remember that. I went to that show. We sat on the bus before the show and, and had a really good conversation about guitars and things like that. You realize these are like priceless memories. I know. <laughs> you sat on Aerosmith's bus. I know, talking to Joe Perry. Ah, dude, it's incredible. So tell everybody, uh, we've got about 30 seconds here or whatever, where all people can hear you and follow you. Okay, uh, the point 94.1, 10 to 3, Monday through Friday. Also, Saturday night, 10 to midnight, I do a live concert show that's just live concert music for two hours, different bands. And then uh, on Twitter, it's uh, Jeff Allen with an underscore after it because somebody got the name before I could. Oh, yeah. I imagine there's a few <laughs> Jeff Allens. Yeah. And then on Facebook, it's Jeff Allen on the air. And, you know, easy to find me. Go like and follow. Thank you so much. We'll be listening to you on The Point. Thank you. Thank you, sir. We will be right back here on Guatney Unplugged.